Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Out of the Gray, the podcast where we discuss all things radiation oncology and radiation physics. Today, I'm super excited to have with us Dr. Rigav Bhupati from OHSU in Portland, Oregon. Rigav, welcome, and would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you, Rissi. Uh, I'm Raghav Bhupati. My actual full name is Raghavendran Bhupati, and good luck saying that. But anyways, I am at OHSU. I'm a clinical chief for medical physics satellites, and I manage four or five satellite clinic for OHSU, and I enjoy what I do, and I enjoy the passion with the medical physics, and that's why I chose it. So that yeah. is fantastic. thank you for having me in this show. Oh, wow. Well, no, thank you. The The honor is all mine. I'm, I'm so grateful that you decided to take some time out of your day to spend with us and help us get to know you a little better. So let's get started. So um, I, I start all these shows the same kind of way here. If you don't mind sharing with us how you found radiation physics. It's not that hard for me because uh, fortunate to have uh, my uncle who is a medical physicist. And I started my medical physics school back in India. So when I grew up watching him, I didn't even know what he's doing, but I get to know that he's a scientist. He worked for Atomic Energy Regulatory Board. And anytime he comes home, I'm like, what is it about? What is this about? And then uh, finally I got into what it is. And I liked physics and science. So I guess I got hooked to that one. And then uh, I visited him one of the summers in his clinic and he was doing some cool research with all those CT images and whatnot. And I'm like, I wanted to do that. All right. So there you go. That's exactly how it started. That is fantastic. You know, as I've been doing these interviews and, and, and chatting with folks, a lot of times it's, you know, just, just this morning we were talking about that medical physics finds you rather than you finding medical physics, but it sounds like maybe a bit of both in your case, right? Had a little bit of a guiding hand there. Did you have an early interest in physics because of your uncle? Yes. And also I liked um, science. My dad is a dentist back in India and uh, kind of the expectations, I guess, from my parents was I get into medicine and Visiting my dad in his clinic and uh, hospitals, I never liked it. I don't want to be in uh, medicine because I told him I like science. But I did my undergrad with uh, applied sciences, math, physics, and chemistry. And then um, the only reason I went into that is there is no way I accidentally I get into medicine. But <laughs> then I guess I saw about the post-graduation with medical physics and I'm like, you know what? I think I like science and this is not hands-on with patient, but I can take this. But then coming into the first year and walking into my second year, I started realizing, you know what? I like the empathy and the heart associated with this medical physics. And I wouldn't trade my clinical physics for anything. So I got a choice to pick purely research or industry or clinic. And I'm like, I'm going with clinic. Got to have the clinic. That's amazing. I know uh, I had a similar experience when I first found radiation oncology as well. The clinic was so awesome. And it was because of the patient care aspect of what we do. I found that to be just incredible, right? That is a fantastic little intro. So thanks for sharing that with us. I was going to ask my next question, what's your favorite part of your day-to-day? But I think you just covered it, right? Like the, the patient yeah, care it's, aspect. It's I don't want to be a person of storyteller, but uh, just uh, a while ago, we got a call like patient bariatric requires, you know, over 500 pounds, can't treat with the couch restriction, weight load restriction. 
Mm-hmm. So the one way that you get satisfaction when you go back home, even after a long day in clinic is, yep, we did something. We went extra mile. We went out of the box and then we found a way to treat the patient. Isn't that fun? That is fun. It sucks some days when you especially see the beads, but yes, it makes your day when you know that we're about to turn down a patient that we can't treat, and but we found some way to make it happen. Oh, that's fantastic for the patient, for you, for the team. You know, I remember being, you know, those days where you approach something and it seems impossible, but you find a way through it and it's like a overwhelming sense of achievement. Yep. Yeah. Like we did it. Yeah. It's teamwork, but still you can't avoid the fact you feel good about it. Of course. Well, and the team, the teams, the teamwork. Teamwork for sure. But it just gives you some selfish happiness. You know what I mean? Of course. You just, you're just happy. That's fantastic. So what's new there at OHSU? I, uh, I haven't uh, been up there in quite a while. So I'm excited to hear what's going on with you and your clinic. Uh, like all other clinics, every other greedy physicist, I would say, we are looking into new cool technologies to add to our arsenal that we could provide some diversified treatment options to the people in the community. Uh, but for me personally, this is one of the hardest week, right? The busiest week, I would say. Astro, AAPM, abstract deadlines. So working late night, submitting the last minute, never enough time. And um, I'm just uh, happy to share with you that uh, we got a blog published uh, yesterday in ABR, which are the things that I wish I did, or in other words, what I would say to a young physicist where they can have a head start. So that's new with me. That is fantastic. And I want to hear more about it. So so first out, where did the idea come from? Can you walk me through that? Well, we went through a little bit of a rough patch at OHSU where there were major changes in the leadership and uh, some disappointing setback with uh, acquiring new technologies or whatnot. So it was late in the evening. I was driving back from one of my satellite clinic. It's about a one and a half hour drive. So I called my uh, colleague, Dr. Hurd, usually my go-to person to vent out, I guess. And I was like, man, I wish I did these things. And he was like, yeah, I have some of them too. Then we're like, hey, remember we're supposed to write an essay together. What about this idea? And he's like, all right, here you go with the bullet points. (laughs) <laughs> then we kind of like talking about it. I didn't realize I got back home. By the way, disclosure, it was all on Bluetooth. I'm not on my phone, okay? Good. <laughs> so I got back home. We sat down and then like, uh, and I said like, I got to rush back to work. You just got back. No, just real quick, half an hour. So me and my colleague, we sat and then we drafted it. I like it. Okay, all right. Let's submit it. So that's how this, yeah, that's how it, it's something that everybody has in their mind, you know what I mean? Like, we all wish things that we did differently to have a more advantage. Of course. Yeah, I know. And that's that's actually something that I frequently ask my guests on this show. What would you tell yourself if you could go back with a list of things, you know, hey, college, Tracy, do this, right? Like, mm-hmm. what would your message to college regard be? In college, I kind of had a pretty limited division on what I wanted to do or adamant about what I wanted to be in and where I wanted to be. But I guess like the message to myself is, you know, either you are in a clinical setting or academic setting or research or hybrid or both, you know, 
don't restrict yourself. Be open to, you know, like try out. Don't worry about failing on it. Uh, reach out. There always help. Have a mentor. Have a team. Lately, I realized the team is what makes you better. The right people to be in your team. It doesn't have to be from your own institution. Doesn't have to be from medical physics. Um, the good team goes a long way. You know, we have some IT folks and uh, artificial intelligence guys that I work with right now to set things because we see that as the future. So you add a lot of dimensions to your uh, talent pool where you have more brain spectrum. And that's what carries you a long way, I guess. So the message to myself back in college is have a broader vision. Go for frequent meetings with people. Create a spectrum, brain spectrum where everybody could benefit it. Yep. Oh, that's a lovely message to send back. <laughs> I really like that. It kind of broadens your horizon, right? You're, you surround yourself with folks that have maybe a different background or maybe different field of study right. or different, and, and all these new ideas can just happen. Exactly. So there's exact bariatric patient uh, example that uh, I threw before. Well, if I have to go in and find a support device or a bariatric, um, you know, like a couch and build them, design them, it's going to take forever. So the best way possible is reach out to the nearby universities, mechanical students, or you know some faculties there, and try to build something. Try to get a fund, and then there you go. Everybody's motivated. So, yep, that's exciting stuff. It right? is. That's yep. really exciting stuff. So, what's another? I was I was just actually reading your blog uh, this afternoon, which and it's awesome. Thank you. Top to bottom, full of amazing advice, lots oh. of good points. What else is a, a couple of more points from your blog? Okay, I moved from um, being in an academic place in India. I worked there for six years and uh-huh. then moved to the United States, worked 10 years almost for a consultancy group where we provided clinical physics solutions for major hospitals there. It was busy, a lot of physics work, but fortunately, I was with team members where they are motivated to publish. So we got some publication going on periodically, not like real hard, good science, sound science, but still something that we could get from the day-to-day clinic, feed into research, research feeds into clinic, vice versa. So that's something I would say that people, irrespective of which background or which institution or which kind of workplace you are, still try to find that discipline to publish something. And uh, the truth is, every single publication of mine, before it got accepted, at least got on an average, I would say, rejected four times. Wow. And uh, prior to that is have a good mentor. And I'm fortunate to have really good mentors who told me the best thing is you're getting rejected, get their constructive criticism, add value to your paper, move on. So getting rejected is never a bad thing. You don't reject yourself. That's the most important thing. Right, right. I know. I think that's a lovely way to put that. I know we all land on our faces from time to time, but it's just an opportunity to to get back up better, right? Exactly. And and moreover, you get learn a lot. And I've got lateral ideas from the criticism that we got from the reviewers is, yeah, maybe that's something that we could work on our next paper. So it actually improves you. 
makes you grow, makes you think. For sure. There you go. Eye of the tiger, right? <laughs> Doing it right. The rocky, you know, the mm-hmm. running up the steps. I don't know. So, you know, those are amazing messages to give back to yourself and and also to offer to new physicists coming into or even folks still in anyway. Yeah, still in high school trying to find out what direction they want to go. And I noticed in your paper, you had mentioned becoming ingrained in grassroots efforts to raise up the science community from high school. Are you guys doing that? For sure, yes. I have to mention him, right? Uh, Two things intertwined in here. I said, we get to have some really good mentors, not necessarily from your own field. Whatever it is, we get to have that mentors. My mentor is my chairman sitting two offices from now, Dr. Charles Thomas Jr., such an amazing person. One day, I was doing late QA in the machine. I brought my girls who were playing in my office. Mm -hmm. And while we were heading out, we said bye to Dr. Thomas. And uh, he looked at them and is like, come on in, young ladies. What do you want to become? One of them said, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then the other one said, I like neuroscience. I don't know where that comes from. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he said, great. You know, you don't have to wait until you grow up to do research and write articles. And I tell you, uh, that went a long way in my kid's mind. And that was just another wake-up call for me. That's the value of mentorship right there. Because I go home, my kids are like, how can I do some of the research. Can you involve us in that one? Can you do this, that? So I was looking at that, man, that's powerful. So we started engaging because there are sheer talent in high school and even middle school kids, you know, like they can do anything. And they are looking for opportunities to come and shadow you and try to do some small summer internship with you. Sometimes we interview them and be like, oh my God, I would love to have that guy and come and help us with this project. They're amazing. So it's both ways. It's not like we're helping the high school kids. Actually, matter of fact, that level of talent is amazing. So that's why it is always, as part of routine, we got to engage ourselves with those high schools and try to see where the talent level is and what the trend is and try to accommodate something and make it you know, better take advantage of that. So one of the things that we sat down and uh, we are in the process, not there yet, is to conduct science cancer-oriented annual competition. It could be paintings from uh, elementary school, or it could be, if it is a middle school, we could conduct some science seminars and make them participate. Or if it is a high school, we can create some uh, awards or grants and tell them, hey, you wanted to come and show your projects, we'll fund this. So those are something that we reached out to a couple of uh, school principals. They are very interested in that. But it's going to take some time, but we're getting there. That is such a cool idea. Oh my gosh. And how much fun, right? To It is. Yeah. To see these little projects, you know, you see them, you see these kids, or, you know, you're, you're getting, you're going to start working with them and watch them. Mm-hmm develop and change and think. I mean, that's just got to be... Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to put it lightly, that sounds amazing. And I bet the high school principals are like chomping at the bit. Yes. And we are splitting our teams and whom to assign to those things and try to balance the work. 
That's important too, right? Work-life yeah. balance. That's paramount these days, I feel like, especially with everything that's going on. Our entire community, I feel like, is just hanging yep. on. We're surviving, right? Yeah, especially but, with COVID and all the emotional stress everybody's going through. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. It's impacted every aspect of life, right? So that includes us, unfortunately. How did your clinic fare okay through the ordeal? COVID? Yeah. I would say like really good personal seer who stepped up to the game. Oh, great. We had, um, you know, like everyone else, nobody's used to this. So we have to sit. There is no right or wrong. Do the best that we could do to make it safe for the patients, make it safe for all of us, employees, for the community. So we adapted some change in our routine policies and procedures. Uh, But there are bright sides of that. You know, we strongly believed in uh, machine learning and deep learning algorithms are going to be the future. And uh, so now we used that as an excuse, COVID as an excuse to get some fundings. And now we are trying to do integrate a couple of folks, really top talent, one from OS Oregon State University and others from Microsoft, from Washington, Seattle. So we're trying to collaborate and create a talent pool to do something amazing. Wow. So from something horrid comes this yet another amazing project. Yes. That's why I started saying like it's a bright side of COVID. We got to evolve. We can't wait for another pandemic to hit and then start back again. We got to be proactive. So our uh, blessed to have like chairman and leader in our department to fund that. And then we're in full swing on that one. That's amazing. So when at the, at the top of our conversation, you'd mentioned work with AI and you'd mentioned work with like automated machine learning. learning, deep, machine learning. learning. deep learning, yes. So are you able to share kind of the broader ideas you guys are, are working on? Yes. I mean, yeah, for sure. There are critical components. I can't. But uh, the broader spectrum is like the way that we do planning right now and uh, start from end, right? Patient consult all the way to the treatment, finishing the treatment. There are many things that could be automated. And uh, I'm not saying it doesn't require the professional personnel anymore. We need them, but in a little different role. So the way that we do the QA for patients, patient-specific QA, machine QAs, even the way the engineers handle the machine problems and those all can be altered. But our research primarily focuses on palliative care where you have emergency simon treat, where you need to have personnel in place like therapist needs to be there, symmetrist, physicist, oncologist. So that's something requires most people in a time, in any given time, in a small place. So how do we handle that? So that's when we're like, all right, can we use scriptings and deep learnings to deploy, right? Once you do the imaging, the planning is ready. And let's make sure right now the patient has to stay in the clinic for about four or five hours, sometimes to six hours, sometimes three hours. How do we make it short? So we sat and brainstormed and then like we found some roadmap, like, okay, this is how we need to split it and address each section. In theory, we got it figured and then it could be uh, from the time the patient walks in within 30 minutes, they can be out. So that's something that we are working and hopefully we'll have something on that. Within 30 minutes. Hopefully, in theory. 
My. Yeah, but anything is good. We'll take it. Well, sure. Well, I mean, but you're absolutely spot on. I think, you know, working in the clinic myself, I we didn't um, have a whole lot of emergency situations, but I, I, you know, I've been in several that have had to deal with those things and it is mm-hmm. a day long. I mean, it's a long process. It's several hours. Okay. So to knock that down to 30 minutes is such an advantage for the patient. You get them back to exactly normal. And you know, this most of the patients, some in three, they're coming with tremendous pain. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what they're going through lying down for three, four hours. You, any minute you take off the plate is the best for them. Oh man, that is just, that is absolutely so true and an amazing goal for your team. That Mm -hmm. says a lot for your team there. That's amazing. So with the AI work that you guys are doing, is that within the physics team or does that employing teams from other? Oh, it involves like a broader spectrum of talents. It starts with the physician, physicist, you know, there are like machine learning experts and uh, statistics person and then like we're looking at like technology engineers and vendors working very close with us on that one so it takes a whole new dedicated talented team yep. the village wow that is just phenomenal yep it's so cool you know i'm just personally curious now how do those teams get built you guys you have a goal and then Kind of fill the deal. That's where your uh, mentor or your chief comes into play. You go and present the idea. You know, like many folks that I talk to from various parts of the world, everybody has ideas and thoughts. That's why I'm like amazing. Wow. But there is one thing is to put that and build a system where that thought process could be very well translated into the market where it could be delivered to the patient care, which is our end goal. So to build a system that takes point A to point B is where the leaders come into play. They buy the vision. They're like, all right, sounds possible. Let's go with a seed grant now. Let's go with a proof of concept. And then what are the teams that you want? Then we give them like, all right, I can only speak for this. I don't know how the hell that works. And then, <laughs> then every we try to put in the team. But you don't start with everybody, right? We're like, all right, let's reach to a good AI person. And he is like, yeah, sounds good. Can we have a statistician? And then from there, they're like, how about uh, the technology support for us? All right, let's talk to vendors who wanted to be part of it. And then engineers. It takes like a few meetings to come to a group that makes sense. That just sounds fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Like, uh, you know, building a dream team, right? To accomplish an amazing goal. So I was going to ask, what is the most exciting piece of news you've heard from the field in the past six months? But I feel like you might have that news for yourself. (laughs) Yes. So the exciting thing about the, in the past six months that I heard is the blessing that COVID showed us that many things could be streamlined and done in a much different way than the traditional way that we are doing now. So I think that is my, in the past six months that I'm like super motivated and then trying to build myself to that. Such a silver lining. I love it. That's fantastic. You know, in uh, some of these chats, we've been talking with folks who are working remotely more and that's become more prevalent. I know when I was in the clinic, that would have been unheard of. It really wouldn't have been possible. But now, what are your findings with remote work? 
It is actually, matter of fact, we've been long wanting to create the centralized uh, treatment planning uh, for all our dosimetrists. So it doesn't matter where we are, they can still get the job done. And uh, they've been like, once you, anytime you propose a change, there's going to be a little pushback. And then like now we are all forced to go on a modified operations, which is do it remote, come only when it is necessary to come into the clinic. So then all the Citrix-based treatment planning stations and how to communicate with physicians and the core team while you are not physically connected is what we worked on. And there are several, you know, piece of technologies that could be introduced to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, now all the dosimetrists, except one person for the patient load of 120, only one person is at the clinic any given day. Rest of them are working from home. So it's it's amazing. And we even had some feedbacks and uh, we checked with them how it is. Mm-hmm. Seems to be going fine. They all love it. So good At the same time, it did not cost us any of our plan quality or turnaround time. Actually, it got better. So really? that's something we are looking into. Man, this is actually more productive. That's interesting. It's good, yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of folks have been working remotely for the past 12 or 13 months, but um, you know, I, I wonder if it's the same in other fields. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe because remember, like it used to be like every meetings has to be in person. So you are restricted to have so many meetings, right? Like, and by the way, I'm new to this Teams, WebEx, all this technology. Now I know all these things because of the pandemic. But before that, everything is used to be, oh, we can't have a meeting today. Sorry, folks, conference room is occupied. Okay, let's push it back. But now it's not like that. All right, everybody got an email. We checked your calendar. You're open that slot. Okay, come into the meeting. I'm like, okay. So it's super efficient, yep. That's fantastic. Actually, I mean, that that's a really sunny way to see it, right? I mean, yeah, it is. those are all benefits. That's great. It is. Yeah. Sometimes exactly. I admit it though, on a secret note. And yeah. I want to freak out. I'm like, nope, they're going to catch me. <laughs> they're going to see me leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, on a side note, I was watching uh, some social media videos, clips of teenagers who have figured out how to leave a still picture of themselves in the meeting. So it looks like they're <laughs> yeah. still there. They're yeah. not. <laughs> My daughters are all into it. They watch this, they call it as Zoom fails videos. Zoom fails. I haven't heard of that. I'll look it up. Yeah, you got to Google that. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, that sounds like it. I'm looking forward to that already. I can't yeah. imagine. Don't open that at your work, though. <laughs> no, not safe for work. We'll do that later. Right. That is so funny. I know, you know, kids, they're good at finding that funny stuff, though, right? Like, for sure. Oh, they're the best. That's so funny. So speaking of kids, when I was in the third grade... My teacher, Mrs. Robinson, promised me that in 2020, we would have flying cars. And, um, you know, she was close, right? We have some prototypes floating around out there. No pun intended. But, you know, we're, we're not all... I'm not flying to the corner store anytime soon. So what would be your, your flying car for radiation oncology? I would bet on more machine learning and uh, AI influence in radiation oncology. Yeah, I would say, you know how we all go to pharmacy to get a ibuprofen or something across the counter. Mm-hmm. More so thoughts being discussed among vendors, you know, faculties, 
researchers, they're all talking about why do you have to have a machine in a radiation oncology where you have to go through this and that. Now you know that all every, most of the treatments are hypofractionated. Right. That's mm-hmm. where we are headed towards. So that means you don't have to be tied to a place for 30 days or a month or two months. So they're now thinking about why can't I have a piece of Linux somewhere, let's say, hypothetically, in an airport where you're flying, your patient flying, getting down, all right, let me go here and then get my shot. You get the shot, you go somewhere. It doesn't matter where you're getting treated. Everything is universal, same output, same concept, same beam data. Can you think about that? Like that is revolutionary. You can go anywhere. You don't have to, you don't have to come to the same clinic. You can go this first fraction. Two days later, you could be in uh, Texas, get your second dose there. You could be anywhere. So uh, more centralization, more machine learning where it can compensate your dose automatically. That's what I see is going to evolve if I have to bet myself on a flying car. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. What a cool concept, you know, to think about. Because I mean, we've all heard of like, I'm going to go on a radiation vacation, like putting a Linac on a cruise ship or, you know, right? Like That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, right? Technically, you put in a cruise ship or let's say I'm going on a vacation to Hawaii. I land there. I mean, as a physicist, we all came with, a, you know, like uh, people approached us with this request. Hey, the patient wants to go on a vacation. Can we shorten the treatment? Can we do something? Can we give an extended break and try to calculate the gap correction? But now there may not be a need for that. It's like this. You buy this um, Motrin. And then you go to another pharmacy, you buy a local brand, as long as it's same ibuprofen, you get ibuprofen. All you need is 1,000 centigrade for five days. You can get the 1,000 centigrade from wherever you are, as long as everything's matched, everything's documented. Wow, that is a cool concept. That's neat. So you, in your own show name, right, you say, is it out of gray or something? Out of the gray, yeah. Out of the gray, I love it. So it's like this, you buy gray. I I'm see. buying my gray. Got to go pick up some gray. Uh, you know, Let me go and pick up some gray. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that is so cool. That's a neat concept. You know, as a person in industry, I've traveled, used to quite a bit, you know, and we go to airports and I started seeing, you know, in, in 2019, I started seeing clinics pop up in airports, you know, like, especially internationally, you'd see like a, yes. like a healthcare in the airport, like you could see a doctor. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. But the idea of being able to like pop in on your layover and buy your hundred gray or thousand gray and then next one, yep, hop on your plane. Yeah. Man, that's pretty cool. It just gives the, everybody, it shrinks the world. I mean, it shrinks the world and then it makes your own choice. Yeah. And, and you can relate to the folks that have to give up eight weeks, you know, of their life to come every day. And yeah, yeah. It's and, emotional. And people hate that when you wanted to walk into the clinic where you see other patients and it just gets you in mind, you know, like sometimes you don't want to be there in a hospital. So try to minimize that. Yeah. Yeah. Beachside, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. Such a cool, such a cool idea and neat to think about. That's definitely a, yeah, I think that suits a flying car, right? It is a flying car. Yes. It's not there, but it could be a flying car. Yeah. No, I mean, flying cars are cool and radiation on the beach is cool. So I think it's great. That's wonderful. So, um, you know, we've talked 
quite a bit about your journey through radiation oncology, how you found physics and your advice for newcomers. Um, what might be something you would want to share or a question you'd have for the more seasoned members of the field? Wow. Yeah, that puts me in trouble. <laughs> okay. Mm. No, I, I'll just share my experience. You know, when I grew up, I wanted to be one of those people that I think as my mentors, because the talent is everywhere. Everybody's capable of and talented in something. The good mentor is somebody who will identify what your talent is, and he will give you an opportunity to flourish in that. And sometimes when you are off the track, only the good mentors will come to you and say that to your face, even though that moment may not be ideal, maybe awkward or, yeah, heated, but that's because they care about you. So... I wouldn't advise my mentors or seniors. I would ask them to be, you got to spend more time and identify the talents, appreciate people and find ways to provide them resources to excel. And if you see them, what their potential is, and if they are not up to that, be honest with them and tell them, you got to put your things together, man. That's how it goes, which is exactly what is happening to me right now from my mentors. So I'm fortunate to have them. And that's something many people should be fortunate of. And not only, you know, when I say mentors, it doesn't have to be confined to a city or a region or a country. It could be anywhere. I still talk to my mentors back in India, the, one of them back in Russia. They are all great, amazing people. And like I said, not necessarily they are from medical physics. Kind of a life mentor, like a like a kind of just yeah, exactly. I think that's great advice. You know, adds a multi-dimensional kind of aura to your walk through life. There, but having different opinions, but that seems to be all around you. Teams and you know, building AI and putting teams together and yeah, yeah. That's all I can say. Seems to be a theme. I like it though. That's fantastic and a good way to operate. Yeah, your mentors have served you well. I'm, I'm. Well, sure of that. And you don't know how blessed I am, for right. sure. I'm, I'm indebted to them big time. Oh, my goodness. Well, with the amount of outreach that you are in turn doing in the community of young people that are out there seeking out and searching for their path, mm-hmm. you know, you're definitely paying it back. Yep. And I see the one thing I, I bet you, my mentor is more happier than me every time I produce. He celebrates us like his own victory. What more you can ask for, you know? That's so sweet. That's sweet imagery. I like that. That's nice. Wow, you've got some good folks behind you. That's nice. For sure. I'm, that's why I say I'm blessed and fortunate. <laughs> I hope it stays the same way. Right. Stay this exactly. way always. To get is something and to protect what you got is the next thing. So that's where I am. All right. I'm going to protect this, man. Well, yeah. And that brings me to maybe a way to wrap up our show here. Where... um. So you're working on tons of things right now. Is radiation physics the clinical role? Is that where you see staying always? Is this kind of the dream job? Yes, it is. But there is a little diversity to it in the sense right now, the radiation oncology, predominantly, I would say, in the oncology. Uh But um, I wanted to, when I get the bandwidth and uh, resources, I wanted to see where else it could predominantly play a role. 
we have like cardiac ablations started and we wanted to explore into that arena and say, where else can yeah. radiation? Because that's my expertise. I don't know anything else other than that. No, if radiation no. oncology is no more, I'm going back, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm so, done. Yeah, exactly. So with all these advancements in the, um, you know, like targeted therapy, chemotherapy and whatnot and robotic surgeries in place, mm-hmm. we got to see where we can, like, it's all about the brain spectrum, diversified spectrum. Where can radiation be really helpful? It could mm-hmm. be in industries. And uh, we know that cool things that we heard about the Mars exploration study. People come from NASA and contract with you and you radiate a lot of stuff. So That's got to be fun. Exactly, right? That's what I see. I mean, I would be in radiation oncology, diversify a little more more than oncology. Yeah, yeah. You got some good plans. I like it. I like it a lot. So yeah, thank you for having me in the show. It's not just about you know, a regular thanks for having me. Yeah, it gives me visibility and it helps me. But it's actually, when you ask the questions, we all run in a very fast world, you know, like sometimes we don't take time to sit and look into the mirror and ask ourselves the questions. What is this all about? Where my journey started? Where am I now? Where I'm headed towards? We all need some time to look into the mirror and ask the question, which is exactly what you did now. So it is more useful to me. So I wanted to thank you for that. Oh my goodness. It was absolutely my pleasure. I learned so much just chatting with you and getting a yeah. chance to, you know, step into your world for even even a few minutes. And I'm so grateful. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.